you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the book of Galatians. If you don't have a Bible, just look at the screen behind me. We have come to the end of our study of this first century letter. After 14 weeks, after meditating on a lot of different things, been challenged by the Holy Spirit, I hope in a lot of different ways, we come to the end. But in all of these 14-some weeks that we've been in the book of Galatians, in all the exhortations, in all the encouragements, they've all revolved around one central theme. I kind of want to ask you what it is, but I'm not going to put you on the spot. The central theme is the question, where do you put your trust for salvation? How are we made right with God? Are we made right with God by our obedience? By keeping our nose clean, as they say, or by trusting in Jesus? Paul's answer, of course, again and again to us and to our hearts has been Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that's what Paul clearly preached to these historical first century churches in the region of Galatia. And that's what these false teachers who had come in after him and began to speak a different gospel, which was no gospel at all. These troublemakers are trying to undo what Paul said, and that is it's all about Jesus. And so here in this final week of the book of Galatians, As Paul brings this correspondence to a close, we we find here in these last verses a, a summary of sorts, a reminder to the Galatians, a reminder to us to stay the course, to stay true to the gospel. And so for the last time, I'm going to invite you to stand and listen as I read from Galatians chapter 6, verses 11 through the end of the letter. Galatians chapter 6, 11 through 18. Listen as I read. This is God's holy word. Paul says, see with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. 
From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Before we jump into really the heart of this passage, the meat of this passage, I want to talk for just a moment about verse 11. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It feels, I don't know, it feels maybe a a bit out of place that Paul would add this sentence here. It's actually part of the beauty of of God's Word, right? The Bible is not some dry how-to manual for us as followers of Jesus, but in all this truth, there are stories, there are personalities, there is history. And so when we come to this statement, the statement of Paul, see what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand, I want to make sense of it. You should know, and maybe many of you do know, that as Paul did with other letters that we find in the New Testament, Paul dictated this letter. He spoke it, and someone else wrote it down. This is why in Romans 16, verse 22, for instance, we have this statement, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Now, we know Paul wrote the letter to the Romans, and yet Tertius says, I am the one who wrote the letter, meaning he is the one who scribed it. Paul was not a professional scribe, and we've already speculated that Paul might have had some problem with his eyesight that might have prevented him from writing a lengthy letter such as this. And so he didn't pen his epistles, he didn't pen his letters directly. But what Paul did do is he signed them. For instance, he ends 2 Thessalonians, another letter we know was written by Paul, with this statement, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is a sign of genuineness. In every letter of mine, it is the way I wrote. It is the way I write, excuse me. And so Paul gives kind of this wax seal at the end of his letters as he signs the letters, and that's, in a sense, what we find Paul doing here at the end of the letter to the Galatians. And yet, verse 11 isn't the last verse. Paul is actually picking up the, the pen, the quill, and he's writing quite a bit. Verses 11 through 18, we have every indication that all of that is being written by Paul. And not only that, but he's making, he's pointing out the fact that it's not only his own handwriting, but that it's very large that he's writing. You see, I think, and I'm not alone in thinking this, that this isn't just Paul putting his signature on the book of Galatians so that they know it's from him. I think Paul is actually underlining. He's actually highlighting. He's actually writing this last bit out in all capital letters, so to speak. 
Because this is what is crucially important to him to get across as he closes this letter. And so I want you to imagine Paul taking the scribe's writing instrument, sitting down and writing in big capital letters all that we just read. And then I want you to do the same. As you write in big capital letters these two boiled down encouragements that I have for us this morning as we work our way through this passage. And the first one is this, leave self behind. Three words, all caps. Leave self behind. This is the invitation, this is the privilege of the call of Jesus on our lives. Leave self behind. You see, as we move on from verse 11 into verses 12 and 13, we see that Paul begins this summation of his letter as he writes in his own hand by focusing on these false teachers who have infiltrated this young, these young churches, teaching a message that is contrary to the one that Paul preached. And what Paul does is he tells us that behind their actions... Excuse me, he tells us what is behind their actions. He tells us what is the motivation in why they've come in after him with a different gospel that was no gospel at all. And if we were to sum it up in three words, we'd say that they were unwilling to leave self behind. Self with all of its trappings they're unwilling to leave it behind. And so I think, as we digest this portion of God's word, that Paul, by describing them, the false teachers in verses 12 and 13, by describing them, he warns us. Let me explain by pointing out the three aspects of self that we see here in verses 12 and 13, 12 in particular. First of all, works. What does he say in the middle of the verse? They were forcing or coercing members to be circumcised, right? This, this is the heart of it all. This is the heart of the entire letter, right? Adding to the work of Jesus, these, uh, these false teachers preach that circumcision, this ancient Jewish rite, was necessary to be made right with God. Acts 15 verse 1 states their message plainly, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Meanwhile, Paul was preaching Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And as he says in verse 15, circumcision counts for nothing. What matters is your heart. What matters is your faith in Jesus. What matters is the new creation that God has brought about through the work of Christ. And yet people, 
us, the Judaizers, have always struggled with focusing on a checklist religion. Just tell me what I need to do. Ancient Israel struggled with this. Isaiah 29, 13, the Lord says, these people honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And Jesus applied these words to the Pharisees, to the teachers of his day who pressed for strict adherence to the law. And then we in the modern church, we struggle with it as well. Why? Because performance is our world. That's how we operate. It's what we're used to. It's what we're conditioned to be about. You want it? You got to earn it. You got to work hard. You receive what you put in. And then the gospel comes along and says, no. Leave yourself behind. Leave your work behind. Leave your accomplishments behind. And just look to Jesus. He's all you need. That's the first aspect of self we see. The second, in addition to works, is reputation. What does the beginning of verse 12 say? They wanted to make a good showing in the flesh. You see, these false teachers who had come into Galatia, they apparently had plenty of fans, fellow Jewish peers and enthusiasts who wanted to see them succeed in muddying the waters of what the gospel, what the gospel being preached in the churches of Galatia was. They wanted some sort of badge of honor, right? A count of, of conversions. One commentator joked that the headline that was headed back to Jerusalem might have been something like success in the mission to Galatia. A hundred circumcised. These false teachers wanted to make a good showing. They were wrapped up in appearances, in their reputation, in looking good to those around them. Of course, we're in a different time and in a different place, and yet our hearts are bent just the same. Pastor Ed spoke about it last week, if you were here. The idol of reputation. We want to look good. We want to accomplish much that others can see. We want to look like we've got it all together, like we've got it all under control. And the gospel comes and the Lord says, leave self behind. Leave your reputation behind. Your standing with me is all that you need. Works, reputation, and then finally the last aspect of self, comfort. Again, verse 12, why were they doing this? In order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. See, as the early church was meeting, as early Christianity was taking Shape. It was actually not persecution from the Roman Empire that was of greatest concern. 
No, the first Christian persecution came from the Jews themselves. Remember, it was the Jews who were incensed enough with Jesus and what he spoke to hand him over to the Romans. And so in the book of Acts, we see a continuation of the hostility of the Jews in the stoning of Stephen. Even in Paul's previous life as Saul, as he persecuted Christians and hunted them down in the name of the Lord. And so one way for these Judaizers to avoid persecution was simply to maintain Jewish customs and encourage others to do the same. Why step on toes, right? Why, why rock the boat? Slide in a little bit of the past, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. What's, what's the hurt? And what might this look like in our day and age? Well, I think corporately, corporately this looks like watered down Christianity. If we fall in to the trap of comfort, of seeking to avoid persecution. Right? We live, we live more than ever in a cancel culture. It happens every week. Say something offensive to the spirit of the age and you're done. Labeled as whatever, written off as whatever. And unfortunately, the church of Jesus has bowed to that same spirit of the age. So in hopes of avoiding offense in claims of remaining relevant, we compromise to a point where the gospel no longer remains. But the gospel, brothers and sisters, is offensive. There's no getting around it. The claims of Jesus are offensive. The cross says that you are desperately needy. That you have no hope except for Jesus. You can't save yourself. That ticks people off. How dare you speak that to me? I didn't speak it to you. Jesus said it. The same Jesus who rose from the grave and transformed this planet as his followers spread. But how about individually? How might a desire for comfort look individually? Well, sure, we want Jesus. Give me Jesus as long as it's not too much of a cost. As long as I don't have to give up the American dream. As long as he doesn't tell me to suffer for his name. As long as I don't lose my credibility at work. As long as I don't have to face the criticism of others. But God's word reminds us this morning in this one, really just in this one sentence, verse 12, that the gospel is not about us. 
It's not about our comfort. It's not about our reputation. It's not about our accomplishment. It's about leaving self behind. The world boasts in its flesh. The gospel invites us to leave self behind. But hear this. There is a joy. There is a freedom in self-forgetfulness. In losing your life in order that you might gain another. Jesus' words in Matthew 10, 39, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So the other side of the coin, as Paul closes this letter, is not only leave self behind, your works, your accomplishment, your reputation, your comfort, but boast in the cross. Boast in the cross. Those four words are the heart of this letter, the heart of Paul's message. Boast in the cross. All religions in our world give one of two options and two options only. Do it yourself or trust that it's been done for you. Human effort or divine accomplishment. Good works or grace. Glory in yourself or glory in the cross. Paul says in verse 14 here, in the strongest of language, it's translated here as, far be it from me. May it never be that I boast in anything but the cross, not in my heritage, my reputation, my obedience, but only in the cross. But what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to boast in the cross? Well, let's just pick it apart. Let's first look at the word boast. We've all boasted in something this week, right? I was out of town. I boasted, I boasted in the ride of the rental car that we had. I boasted in the movie that I saw on the plane. I boasted in the delicious coffee that we sipped as we sat in this strange city. In some small, small way, I, I gloried in all of these things. And I conveyed that to others, right? So that's part of boasting, glorying in something and conveying it to others. But let's go deeper because the boast that Paul invites us to give here is not merely pride. It's what we're confident about. What we hope in. Where our identity lies. It's the same scriptural idea found in Jeremiah 9. We read that weeks ago through our reading in Jeremiah. He says, thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, the mighty man boast in his might, the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. And so the image that came to my mind, maybe partially because of NCAA March Madness this month, the image that came to my mind is 
Boasting is kind of like the Beats Audio headphones, right? The Beats Audio headphones that the, uh, that the athletes put on, the headphones for the game with the music piping in in order to pump them up and to give them confidence for the game. And so in our boasting of the cross, we remember what Christ has done. We remember what our standing with God is as a result, whose we are and who lives within us. And then everything else in our life falls into place. That's what boasting is. But in the cross... In the cross, this bloody method of of torture and execution, bringing up the cross in polite Roman society was, was unthinkable. And yet for Paul, this is where it all hinges. The emblem of seeming failure is the Christian's greatest boast. And it may be foolish to the world, but it is life to those who believe. This is why the gospel accounts of Jesus are backloaded with chapter after chapter of the events leading up to the cross and of the cross itself. It is the fulcrum. It is the focal point. Listen to all these words, all this doctrine bound up in the cross. Redemption, propitiation, substitution, satisfaction, reconciliation, salvation, mortification, sanctification. It's all because of the cross. Without the cross, there is nothing to say. There is no hope, but with it there is life, there is hope, there is identity, there is purpose. And so as one author said that I read this week, I kind of like this, boasting is how we make our hope audible. Audible hope. Boasting in the cross. Well, as we close, I want to think about what this looks like. How do we do this? How, How do we do this? What does a cross-shaped life look like. A life that boasts in the cross. Well, Paul actually helps us. I don't want to get too far away from the Scripture. Paul helps us by speaking in verse 14 of of three crucifixions. This is where we'll end this morning. Three crucifixions that help us Gain a picture of this cross-shaped life. The first crucifixion is the crucifixion of Jesus. This is where our life begins. In his historical death. And so the first step to boasting in the cross is remembering and receiving what Jesus accomplished some 2,000 years ago on a hill half a world away. He died that you might live. He was forsaken that you might be forgiven. He was rejected 
that you might be accepted. And now all that he accomplished on that cross is yours as you believe in him. And united to him, God looks upon you and he sees Jesus. He sees the perfect righteousness of his son. All that is good in your life flows from this, and without this, there is nothing. And so my encouragement, Paul's encouragement, is to make this Savior your daily bread and boast. The food that you crave, the life that you must have. That's the first crucifixion. And as you do this, you must crucify your passions and desires. That's the next crucifixion. Paul says, the crucifixion of the world. All the sin that so easily entangles, I nail to the cross, right? We talked about this when we talked about verse 24 of chapter 5. All the sin that so easily tangles, I nail it to the cross. I don't coddle it, but I daily put it to death. That's how we boast in the cross. And then lastly, Paul says, not only has the world been crucified to me, but I to the world. The crucified Christian. If you successfully fix your eyes on Jesus and strive to put to death the passions of your flesh and die to the world, you will feel it. Maybe not in the same way that Paul did. Paul says in verse 17 that he bears the marks of following Jesus. The Greek word stigmata, right, where we get our word stigma, it's used in secular Greek for the branding of slaves. Paul, in a sense, is saying that he has been branded as a follower of Jesus. And he's recounted this on several occasions. One to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 11. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. And he goes on and on. A life that boasts in Christ may bring you a share in some measure of the suffering that your Savior bore for you. Paul reminds us that following Jesus doesn't simply take away all of life's hurts. Actually, quite to the contrary, sometimes in the dying of self, Following Christ brings more. And yet, this is where true life is found. Not that the scars for Christ count for anything or earn you any standing. Rather, they simply point you to the cross. To the one where your sufficiency lies. Losing yourself and clinging to Jesus. Leaving self 
behind and boasting in the cross. That is the privilege. That is the invitation. May God give us the grace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for not just these closing words from the Apostle Paul, but we thank you for the entirety of this letter, which has reminded us again and again of the sufficiency of Jesus in all things. Father, there are some of us here who are on this treadmill, this performance treadmill, trying to do what we can do to be the best person we can be in hopes that it will be enough to earn your favor. Father, I pray that for those, Holy Spirit, you would show them clearly that they can stop running. They can leave self behind and simply cling to the cross and boast in the work of Jesus. Father, we all struggle with this to one degree or another. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take this word, apply it to the hearts of your people and to those who are not yet yours in whatever way you see fit, that your word would not return to you void, but would accomplish all you intend for it to accomplish. For the glory of your name, in Jesus' name, amen.